Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to the Ball on Blast podcast. And as always, my name is Sheldon Alexander. I'm here with my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's good, my dude? Oh, man, I'm just enjoying hey, another great Thursday in the NBA. we got Sixers and Cavs, a loaded matchup when you uh, think of all the uh, news and rumors that have been swirling around these two teams uh, the last little while. Rumors? What rumors? I wonder if we'll end up talking about it. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if uh, if that's going to be on the docket. You know, it's so crazy, man. Like, you know, for those listening, like I work on a show in Canada called Tim and Sid. I'm a producer on that show. And you may have heard of it. You might have heard of it. I don't know. But what happens sometimes, especially on Thursdays, right? Like, obviously, this is in my head. I know we're going to tape on Thursday nights. And so I'll, like, go through during the week and I'll, like, like stuff on Twitter that I'll, like, then go back to. And, go back. I do the same. Right? And so I'll have all these things, like, all ready to go. And it was so funny because when I went to do that today, after our show, I was like, every single thing was either James Harden crossover or LeBron to the Sixers. <laughs> Yeah, so it's and like two, two of my favorite things. <laughs> right? It was like, oh, I wonder what we're going to talk about today. But <laughs> the NBA is so, so good, man. I love it. Every single second of it, even when it's not about the game. That's what made last week when there was no games for like three days. That's what made it seem so weird. Because not only were there no games, but there was no storylines or anything really going on either, right? I mean, it seems like we hammer this point home every week. Like, every night, there's something crazy that happens oh yeah oh yeah it's such a thing where night after night something going on every other day there's a big headline going down in the nba and it seems that every night there's a headline or every day i should say there's a headline about one lebron james and this week was no different and of course you know normally this is where we always end up it seems this whole season starting our ball on blast podcast talking about something to do with LeBron and or the Cavs and you would think after the deadline maybe talks would slow down but oh no Webby and it involves starting to get heated up it's getting heated up and it starts and involves your squad your Philadelphia 76ers because you know if you happen to be traveling along the I-480 in Cleveland on Monday you might be distracted by three billboards and no we're not talking about the Oscar worthy movie we're talking about three billboards uh, there are about seven miles from the Cleveland Cavaliers Quicken Loans Arena. The first sign, Webby, features a number 23 with a crown on the court with four blue numbers. The numbers now just happen to match the jerseys of the Philadelphia 76ers players, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Dario Saric, and Robert Covington. Now, if you continue to drive along this stretch of the highway, You'll find a second billboard. And this one says, complete the process. Then if you continue on the highway, there's a third billboard, Webby, that says, hashtag Philly wants LeBron. (laughs) (laughs) This leads us to our first topic of our segment that we love, turn up or turn down, which simply we make a hot take. And then the answer is either turn up equals good or turn down equals bad. That first one, Webby, based off this, you know, little play off the three billboards movie here, LeBron should go to the Sixers. Are you buying into this hot take, Webby? Turn up or turn down. I know which way you're going, but I'm just going to let you go anyways. I'm going to let you cook here, Webby. 
Okay, <laughs> of course I got to turn up on this. <laughs> now, what's it, it, it's so simple, right? Those four players that you mentioned are all under contract, mm-hmm. and to add a max contract with like LeBron James's, the Sixers will have enough cap space in the offseason to add the contract of LeBron James. Now uh, we know that Ben Simmons is a uh, member of the Clutch family, as we like to say. The Clutch Management Group is run by uh, LeBron's uh, really good friend. And, of course, LeBron has no stake in that company whatsoever, right? None, no. Which is about as believable (laughs) as that Donald Trump isn't having a hand in running his companies while he's president of the United States, right? Is it it Ben Simmons' sister that works for them, too? (laughs) I think so. Yeah. I think so. Amazing. So, yes, obviously, turn up on this. Anytime you can have the even smallest iota of getting LeBron James to your team, I don't care if you're the Sixers, I don't care if you're the Suns, you have to turn <laughs> up on that. Now, what's crazy is a lot of people out there that are listening to us, they don't understand the self-loathing of Philadelphia sports fans. Now, things may have changed a little bit with the Eagles' uh, historic Super Bowl win just a couple of months, or uh, last month in February. Mm-hmm. But you have no idea how many blog posts and how many articles that I've read by Philadelphia writers that I respect and love saying that they don't want LeBron to come. See, this was going to be my question because your friend and mine, Steve Fellin, who's the man behind the uh, Sportsnet Stats account, Stats Guru at Sportsnet, he actually sent me a text message earlier, which was so funny. It just said, any Sixers fan that doesn't want LeBron is an idiot. And I completely agree. I didn't even know those people existed. So I did see a couple hot takes on Twitter or whatever. But it's funny to hear you now say, like, this is coming from Philly sports writers? Yeah, well, these are coming from, you know, Philly Sixers uh, reporters, bloggers, writers. One of them, um, Spike Eskin, is a guy uh, who is the son of um, Howard Eskin, a famous Philadelphia radio personality okay spike spike is the guy who's kind of been leading this whole charge uh for hanky and the trust the process and he's come out on twitter and said you know what listen lebron's a great player but we want to do this with the guys that we've got you know we want to this process is about the the guys that we've drafted and the people that we're trying to bring up uh through the system but to me that's kind of I, I don't understand why adding LeBron can't be part of the process. <laughs> yes. I mean, hold on. Billboard number two said complete the process. Right. right. So now a lot of the, now a lot of the Philadelphians are, are, are kind of uh, um, trying to poke holes. I think that the guy who put them up is a business owner in Philadelphia. There's like a lot of uh, concern about where this guy's, allegiances lie and where his and, and, and where he's coming from right okay but but again i'm just breaking this down to the lowest common denominator if you're the philadelphia 76ers isn't adding lebron james like it like the billboard says completing the process you're yeah. staying you're you're getting lebron to stay in the eastern conference where they'll have a much easier time of getting to the western conference or to the NBA championship. And not only that, but he'll be playing with young players 
And as LeBron gets older, he can rely on further. So a lot of people I've been listening to and reading are saying, well, what's this going to do for Ben Simmons? You're going to be taking the ball out of his hand. You know? Uh, you're going to be... Um, you're going to make Simmons into a secondary ball handler rather than a primary ball handler because of what LeBron is going to want to do. But I think the other way. I think that you're going to let LeBron pick and choose his spots. Exactly. Exactly. And really be... Hey, listen, he's still going to be the king if he just threw down a massive dunk in the <laughs> game against the Sixers. Yeah. But, but listen, he's going to find a fit. He's one of the smartest basketball players that we've ever seen on the court. And playing with the type of players that the Sixers have, I'm sure he'd be able to find a way not to just be LeBron James that we know, but evolve once again into the perfect piece that this young team needs. You know what the crazy thing is to me, Webby, with this? It's you watch what the Cavs are doing now, right? And if they are to make another run to the NBA Finals, it's going to be like squarely on the back of LeBron James. He's going to have to carry them there, right? Because he doesn't have that Kyrie type. You have guys that will give you spurts, but you don't have the Kyrie type that he's just going to give the ball to and let you know Rodney Hood take them home to a victory. Like That's not going to happen, right? So if you're LeBron... You got to ask, you got to look around and watching him, how many more years does he have where he's going to be able to do that for a yeah. full season, for a full playoff run, right? And so, the minutes, the, yeah, the hard minutes. Exactly. Because even as you watch LeBron now, and I've been telling people this for the longest time, right? Like, actually take in Cavs games, and you'll see that a lot of the Cavs' issues on defense, they are kind of centered on LeBron, too, if you watch him, because he's not playing like the same lockdown, crazy defense that he used to, but also he's playing the four, which is more like help defense, especially in the paint, which A, is not something that he's really used to doing, but B, it's not really him. Do you know what I mean? And especially it's not LeBron at this stage of his career where he's going to be able to come over and block shots on every single play because, again, he has to carry so much of the offensive load. He just can't he, he can't do that. So whatever right. the next move is, it's got to be where there's going to be big-time pieces around him to help carry the load on both ends of the floor so that he doesn't have to be the sole person behind it each and every night. But... And and what an assistant coach he'd be, too. Because, sure. I mean, listen, we've been talking a lot, too, over the last couple of weeks about how great, uh, you know, some of the coaching has been mm -hmm. in the NBA so far this year. And I think that Brett Brown has really gone way under the radar. Yeah. Not only just this year, but the past three years, since he's shown up in Philadelphia and taking the lumps that he's taken and having this team be terrible, yeah, and the team sticking with him, and now it's paying off. And for him to have a guy like LeBron, a, a floor general to rely on as a de facto assistant, mm -hmm. would be huge for the uh, maturation of this team going forward. You know what, too? Just the, the fact that Brett Brown survived the process in terms of you know all those losing seasons, I think that tells you, A, how good of a... a a guy he is because he didn't wear out his welcome either with the team and like their young stars while they were losing and even just with the front office, right? Like it takes a certain guy, a certain character to be able to do that and handle that winning and understand the greater, I hate to keep using the term process, but you know, like not many people would have survived that. Most coaches don't get to survive two or three losing seasons in a row, right? But 
in regards to this actual question, should LeBron go to the Sixers? I mean, I'm going to turn down on this. Oh, where did he go? But, but, but I'm going to turn up on how they went about this because I'm all for this NBA drama, you know, when there's all these like cool little sideline stories. I'm for all of that stuff, right? So I'm for how they went about this. It's creative. It's an interesting way. Obviously, it's topical with the movie. And I'm also for just all the little side drama that you're hearing. Like there was that Sixers color commentator who said on a Philly sports talk show, he said, quote, LeBron last week through a superintendent was in the area checking out some private schools in the Philadelphia area during the All-Star break. Close quote. So the story goes, as he left L.A. on the way back to Cleveland, he stopped off in Philly to check out some. And I mean, those that's just one of those rumors because it's not a firsthand story, right? It's through someone, through someone else. And it's just one of those rumors that I love because it's so juicy. Do you know what I mean? Like whether it's true or not, I'm just like, oh, man, that's awesome. You know, like I remember hearing the rumor a couple years ago when uh, remember there was like that, like pipe dream of Kevin Durant coming to Toronto. Right. I remember around those times, I remember actually hearing this rumor and it was from like, you know, people that would, I would, I would like take their word for it in terms of like the source was reliable in terms of, you know, this person is not just making this up. Like they got this from someone. Do you know what I mean? And the talk was that uh, Durant's mom was around looking at places on Mississauga road. (laughs) and i was like what and it was just one of those things that it's so juicy that whether it's true or not it's just like oh my god this is why i love the nba right because of the drama because of the soap opera that is you know what happens outside of the game it's so good so for that and like the storyline oh turn up why not it'll give us more more juice to talk about from now until july 1st but overall webby you know me i still think that you know if he does leave he's got to go west and and like if he does i want him to stay in cleveland like that's right. what i want him to do but if he does leave i think he got it he has to go west and i think if he leaves he'll end up in houston but the lakers really? rumors obviously there's a lot of juice there with the lakers rumors as well but i can just see the scenario where if houston loses to golden state and then lebron loses to golden state again in the final i could definitely see lebron that that's where they're having the tag up. They're tagging up, you know, they're teaming up and joining the NWO, which would be Houston, you know what I mean? <laughs> to go at them after both teams lose to Golden State. Like I could just see that playing out. That's still right. my theory. What I think, you know, is most likely to happen. But again, I want him to stay in Cleveland. And if he does leave, I think it'd be weird to go to Philly, to go to a team that the Cavs would have to play a lot. Like, I feel like that's kind of weird. And I know he already did it with Miami, but he kind of did that in the sense, I guess we know now, that he was always planning on coming back at some point. It's just weird because it doesn't seem like his identity to give up what he has going on in Cleveland and what he would have in L.A. or Houston because it would definitely be something that he's never done. I mean, in terms of like this, it's different than Miami. This wouldn't be necessarily his team exactly I mean, this is still the process's team you know what the thing too no I, I think if he goes to philly it's his team i know what you're saying like like he has like two pillars with him obviously if he went to philly but like how long would it take us to identify 
Philly or the Sixers with LeBron. I know what you're saying. I think it'd be a lot easier if he did that, if he went to Philly. But to me, the Lakers, I don't know, that Lakers brand still seems so big. Like it, And I, I can't see LeBron in the Lakers jersey. I kind of hope that doesn't happen. I, I can't know. either. It I, I kind of hope it doesn't happen. Just because really like, strange. Yeah, I don't know. Seems weird to me. But uh, do you have any more that you would add to your sales pitch to LeBron, or no? <laughs> uh, listen, Jim Stakes. Uh, that's all you need, man. <laughs> and, and all the Yingling you can drink. That's amazing. That's amazing. He'd be going from uh, sipping uh, Shiraz and red wine to uh, taking down some bottles of uh, delicious Yingling. <laughs> So good. And again, LeBron James is on a crazy stretch, just dominating the NBA. He's won triple-double in February? Unbelievable. Well, he was named Eastern Conference Player of the Month again. Did you see that stat? So 43% of Eastern Conference Player of the Month awards since entering the league, LeBron has won. He's won 37 of 86 given out in that span. What? 37 times. The only active player with double-digit Player of the Month awards is Kevin Durant, who is 14. That's that's, a, that's crazy. That's, that's one of the craziest stats that I've seen this year. But yeah, there's Philly fans that are like, oh, I don't know if we want LeBron. <laughs> like, what? That doesn't even make sense. What planet that, are you on? It's not that they don't want LeBron. It's just They don't want to mess with the process. Get out of yeah. here. That's whack. LeBron with, is the process, okay? Come on. Come on, Philly. Figure it out. I know you guys just won a championship with the Eagles, so you know might not be thinking straight, but come on, let's get serious here. Uh, moving on to, I guess, the team that I said I think LeBron might end up on next year. Uh, our next topic on turn up, turn down is, you know, here's, here's the next hot take for you, Webby. James Harden is the MVP, and the Rockets are winning the championship. Are you turning up or turning down on that hot take, Webby? Well, I'm going to turn down on on that. I do believe James Harden is our MVP, and just like any good Heisman Trophy winner, he had his Heisman Trophy MVP moment on Wednesday night. <laughs> oh my goodness! That uh, the utter disrespect. The utter disrespect. So I, I, I think that it's going to take a, a, an injury or a prolonged slump for Anthony Davis to actually uh, devour a world for him to uh, take over. Uh, what Harden is doing. But I don't believe that the Houston Rockets are going to win the NBA championship. I honestly don't think so either. I mean, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm turning down on the whole hot take here because I think the Harden MVP case, you, you, you might have, you might be right in terms of he has a moment now that will end every single sound up that you'll hear every single montage for lack of a better term that you'll, you'll see when they're debating who's going to be the MVP. And I think it's Mark Jackson saying too much sauce at the end of it. I think that was a call on the play, but here, here's the thing. The Rockets right now, 14 straight wins, which is just crazy, right? The second team, no sixth team in NBA history with multiple 14 game win streaks in a season. Like they're having fun. James Harden is crossing dudes over laughing at them and splashing threes. You got Chris Paul turning over the ball while he high fives James Harden's mom in the front row. <laughs> like, it's crazy what they're doing right now. Um, I still need to see them do it in the playoffs before I'm going to say that they're winning the championship. And James Harden, 
I'd say he's a favorite to win MVP for sure, but I don't know. I still think that you, you're getting a lot of late pushes here. I think that LeBron might have one last push in him. As, I mean, you average a triple-double for a month. I don't know if he can do that and hold that up for the rest of the year, but geez, he, he's, he's going crazy right now. Obviously, you mentioned Anthony Davis, which we'll get to next in our next topic, but you know what the Rockets are doing right now, they're putting the league on notice. They're putting the Warriors on notice. If they, if the Warriors don't think that they're for real, the Warriors need to like get their shit together before the season ends because the Rockets are coming. We saw this past week of the Sloan Conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was just a bunch of sports nerds getting together, talking about all that, uh, all, all advanced stats and stuff. And not only does, uh, I, and I think I mentioned this last week or the week before, but not only does the Harden have the traditional monster stats, but he's got all of these adjusted plus minus stats. His defensive is getting better. And, and, and like you say, that team is at the top of the West. It's not tied and not number one and number two. And I think that, that's, that, that goes a lot into MVP voting. You know, As great as a season that LeBron's having, his team has struggled during mm-hmm. the year. And he did take a couple of months off in terms of where his effort was. And, you know, Anthony Davis's numbers are great. But, you know, the Pelicans, they're not a top team in the conference. And even Giannis, who is just, well, we didn't even bring up in this MVP conversation. He was having another unbelievable season. Just doesn't have the team where Harden has the Rockets. And I know that the Rockets are built differently than these other teams. But it is definitely. James Harden's team in Houston, and he is right now the most valuable player in the league. He is having a crazy, crazy year, and it, it, it's so messed up to think about the fact that they are now 31-1 and in games in which Harden, Chris Paul, and Clint Capella play. Like, what? That doesn't even, that's crazy, right? That is actually crazy, crazy, crazy. Again, 31-1 and one in games this season when Harden, Chris Paul, and Clint Capella have all played in the same game. That is, like, I, I don't even know what to say about that, but they're having a crazy season, and it's fun to watch. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about the style of play because it's a lot of isos, but iso ball where you're seeing Harden or Chris Paul just sort of stand on one side and everyone else is just kind of standing. Whereas it's not like the the ball movement that you're seeing from Golden State or San Antonio or some of these other teams that has become famous around the NBA. You know what I mean? It's still kind of iso ball, but iso ball on steroids, <laughs> you know? Uh, do you like the style of play? Like, are you excited by it? Like, I'm hearing some people kind of talk about how they don't like the style of play because it's kind of boring. What do you think? Yeah, I've heard the same thing, that there's kind of a backlash to the style of play. And, you know, I... I don't think there's anything inherently boring about it or, or you know, uh, uh, wrong with it. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a different style. And yeah. it, it's something that Houston's been honing these last couple of years, and this is just the next step of evolution of this Houston Rockets offense. Yeah. And listen, it's just a different style. I mean, the Sixers don't play that way. The Warriors don't play that way. Okay? They all play with their own kind of style. Mm-hmm. Now, the big question is, is a team going to try and figure it out? Like, kind of San Antonio figured it out a couple of years ago. Yeah. And they let them have the, two, the long two-point. 
Yeah. They know, ran them off the line, forced them into layups more so than giving up the threes. Yeah. Right. But now with Chris Paul there, you've got a, a really smart basketball player who, who, you know, you'd hope could make those adjustments on the fly. Yeah. I mean, again, what they're doing, I, I can't wait to see it in the playoffs and see how this dynamic helps in the playoffs. And you're right. I think Chris Paul will help them the most come playoff time because again we talk about every week after week we're talking about what happens in the playoffs and you got to emphasize right it comes down to your best seven players and with Chris Paul the reason why I think that could work is because it's just giving you another option that you're just saying hey here's my star player make a good make a great play and I think there's so much focus on like what the play is that you're drawing up, but the NBA is very simple and I think when it comes down to it at the end of the game yeah you have a play that's drawn up but it's basically for your star to create a play. Does that end up mostly being an ISO in which that guy's getting a layup or trying to get his shot off? Yes, but it could still be that guy driving and kicking to someone that's wide open, right? And having another guy that can do that that's not just James Harden, I'm interested to see how that plays out in the playoffs. But to answer the question, I mean, beat the Warriors. I mean, right now... James Harden is MVP, and the Rockets look like they're—they look—they look like the best team in the league right now. I can't deny that. I cannot deny that at all. They're going to have to beat the Warriors in a seven-game series. Yeah, I mean that's if Golden State gets past Oklahoma City. Oh, I mean, oh. how's that hot? Seven matchup, maybe. Who knows? The West is so crazy right now, right? There's like, hold on, I wrote it down somewhere. There's like three. Three and a half games, I think, that For separate five or six teams. Yeah, three and a half games separating third through ninth in the Western Conference. That's crazy, right? So crazy, crazy, crazy. But speaking of the crazy, crazy Western Conference, we move on to our next topic, Webby. And with Anthony Davis becoming the fifth player in NBA history to average at least thirty-five points and fifteen rebounds over a seven-game span, all wins, by the way. The next. Hot take is Anthony Davis is in the MVP race. Are you turning up or turning down? Well, I'm turning down that that's a hot take. I mean, yes, Anthony Davis has now cemented himself the third favorite to win the award. Oh, third favorite. See, I'm turning down on this. I'm yeah, turning down. He's, he's, he's gotten a lot better, and his numbers have gone way up mm-hmm. since Boogie went out. I mean, remember at the beginning of the season, through the first couple of months, that we said that Boogie was having an MVP type season with the numbers he was putting up. Yep. I mean, now this is what Davis has done, and it's not just the last seven games. I mean, look at his last fifteen, twenty games. Okay, so here, here's the thing, and yes. You're right. What they're doing, what he's doing right now is crazy. And heading into last night's game, you know, last night, it's not like he had a bad game. I mean, he still put up like, what, 20 and 12 or something like that. But the games prior to that, right? You know what I mean? Like he still had a monster game. But the six games before that, my guy was putting up 41 and a half points, 15 rebounds, three steals, and three blocks per game, (laughs) right? Like plus shooting, sorry plus shooting 54% from the floor and 39% from three and 82% from the free throw line. like taking like 30 shots a game. It's it's unbelievable. Now, so so don't get me wrong. What he's done, he's been a beast, right? Like that month of February is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Like he's put up 
gangster, gangster numbers, right? Like in his month, he had a historic month. Second player in NBA history to record at least 50 points, 15 rebounds, and five blocks in a game. Okay. He had five 40.10 rebound games. The only player to have a game with at least 40 points, 15 rebounds, five steals, and five blocks. That's an outstanding month, Webby. Okay. But the reason why I'm saying I'm turning down on this and saying that he is not in the MVP race is because it's only one month. And here's the thing. They've won seven straight games, right? Seven straight games, okay? And now they're nine games over 500. That means that if you remove, with only this win streak, if you remove that win streak, they would only be one or two games above 500. That You're not winning MVP if you're only one or two games above 500. Even Russell Westbrook, who averaged a triple-double for an entire season, he had to be 12 games over 500 for people to seriously take him in as being the MVP. And he averaged a triple-double for the whole season. Anthony Davis is having a very good year. Don't get me wrong. 28 and 11, two blocks, monster year, good year. But his team has not been good enough until probably this recent run to put them well over 500 or closer to double digits over 500. You know what I mean? To me, it's only been one month. And for that reason, he's not in the MVP race in my books. I'm turning down on this. So if they get to a six seed in the West Mm -hmm. and he continues to play this well. (sighs) I mean, yeah. I mean, if he continues to play this well and carry them for a full other month, like he, he would have to carry them for the last two months of the season to get into the race for me. Yes. Yes. To get MVP votes and have him because right now, to be honest, if we're talking for the full season, I'm still going to put, obviously, James Harden above him. I'm still putting LeBron above him. I'm putting Giannis above him. You know, if you talk to certain people, I might not be in this camp, but there are people that will tell you your boy DeMar DeRozan should be getting some some talk just because of how yep. good the Raptors are. I mean... Kevin Curry, Kevin Durant. Exactly, right? One of those warriors. So there's enough people that I'm putting ahead of him that he wouldn't get a top three vote from me. And so... I'm not I'm not putting him I'm not ready to put him into the race yet. He needs to give me another month of this for me to even consider it. But with that said, an outstanding month by Anthony Davis. Yeah. I, I, I've got him up there in the top top three, top four of the MVP. Well, we'll we'll see what happens though. We'll see what happens. Because it's a great still story. Quite a bit left to play for. For sure. And it, it, it's a great story, regardless of whether he's in the MVP race or not. It's a great story what's happened in New Orleans, you know, because they could have been just devastated. And I'm sure most people thought they'd fall out of the race and become irrelevant once Boogie went down. And he is just putting the team on his back. And so it's a great story. It's a great thing to watch. But, you know, we'll see how they finish up. It looks like they're hanging on and they'll make the playoffs still. But the West is so tight. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. But I mean, I'm rooting for them because I like the story. I, I yeah. definitely like the story. And I like, I like David too. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he's he an animal. Looks, he is just a completely different player than we watched him in university. And he's he, staying he healthy. Like, he looks like two of himself. He's a he's gotten way wider than he than he ever was. I also think too, like this is just a big year for him in terms of health, right? Like it's good to just see him healthy for the majority of the season for once, right? And so if he gets into the playoffs, it'll be cool to see him, you know, try to put on a show in the playoffs, which is a place that we don't really get to see him. Whereas I feel like most other people that you would consider 
top 10 or top five talents in the league, we get to see them on the biggest stage, which is the playoffs, right? So I'm rooting for them to get in and, and seeing someone go crazy like that in the playoffs. It'll be fun to watch. I'm um, there with you. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that wraps up our turn up, turn down segment. As always, so much fun. I, I love the turn up, turn down segment. But uh, moving on and speaking of things to love, I'm sure Raptors fans are loving their Toronto Raptors as we slide into the wrap it up segment, which is just, you know, kind of touching base and seeing what's going on with your Toronto Raptors. And the Raptors, you know, they were so close to setting a record themselves in the month of February as they're so close to, to setting a record themselves in the month of February as they needed to win by 14 to set the NBA record for best average point differential in the month of February. But they won by 13 <laughs> instead of 14. Hey, so they just missed out on that. But that still doesn't take away of the great month that they had. Historic 9-2 and two record and eight of those wins coming by 13-plus points. So undoubtedly best start so far franchise history. As of right now, they're still in first place. But they're like a half game up on Boston, depending on results tonight, because I think Boston plays tonight, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, anyways, still a great year for the Raptors, Webby. So there's a lot of talk going on about, you know, DeMar, is he in the MVP race? There's a lot of talk about, is Coach Casey Coach of the Year? There's a lot of talk about how great the Raptors bench is. Are they the best unit in the league? So I'm asking you, Webby. What is the biggest reason for the Raptor success this year? And there's no half step in here and saying, well, it's a little bit of everything. (laughs) The biggest implies, yes, the biggest implies that this is at the top of the list. Who are you giving the most credit to? What is the biggest reason for the Raptor success this year, Webby? Masai Ujiri. Ooh. Okay. Okay. Explain. Because because this culture reset was Masai Ujiri's call. Mm Mm-hmm. This plan was his. And not only has it been executed just about flawlessly, I mean, so far, here in the regular season, it seems to have been working flawlessly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is the success we're basing it on. But all of the things that you mentioned, uh, the coach and Masai sticking with Casey and believing that he could be in charge of this, Mm -hmm. um, the bench and the way that this bench has been created through... Uh, everything from the draft to free agency to how about uh, undrafted free agents? Yeah. Uh, and then you look at the stars, uh, the contract extension for DeRozan and Lowry, and the way that they've taken on the uh, roles that have been asked for them to do. Um, I mean, it all comes from the top. It all comes from the side. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a great it's a great point made by you for sure. I mean, a lot of credit obviously has to go to Masai Ujiri because, as you said, the culture reset was amazing. And, you know, with you picking Masai, it's, it's interesting. I'm going to say it's a Raptors bench. And I know that that's kind of like a, a play off of Masai because he's the one that had the faith in them and put them together. But I'm going to give a lot of credit to this crew of Freddie Van Fleet, DeLon Wright, Pascal Siakam, Jakob Pertl, and CJ Miles. What these guys are doing are crazy. This is from Zach Lowe today. Zach Lowe put out that a total of 95 five-man lineups have logged at least 100 minutes this season. The best net rating slash point differential among all of them is Toronto's bench mob, outscoring opponents by almost 28 points per 100 possessions. That is crazy. 
Masai is the the master. He's pulling all the strings. He's pulling all the right strings, obviously. But these guys are going out there night after night as kids, and they know their roles. They know how they have to play to get minutes, and they're doing it. And it is crazy to watch them every night. It's almost like watching a college team. Or, you know what? People from Toronto might understand this, but it almost takes me back to my high school days when you'd watch Eastern Commerce High School because what they would do against other teams is they were just they would press you and like the, they would up the pace of play and other teams just wouldn't be able to keep up and they'd run you out of the gym. And I kind of right. get that feeling when I'm watching the Raps bench because they're just so active on defense. They're so active on the boards. They'll grab a rebound and Freddie gets the ball and his head's up automatically and he's looking for outlet passes to try to find whoever down the court, whether it's a guy like Siakam who can grab the rebound and bring the ball up himself. You got DeMar calling him their Draymond, which is like, high high praise but what this bench is doing is crazy like they are definitely to me the biggest reason for the raptors success this season and you know i don't know how that's going to translate into the playoffs you know i keep saying that i don't think full bench units matter and why and why i keep saying that is because there's going to be such an emphasis on who gets the minutes come playoff time and i think when i see something like this when I'm watching the bench unit play, all I keep thinking is these guys got to get more minutes, right? Like, even if that's to the detriment of Serge Ibaka, who's, you know, he's hot and cold, but I think I'd rather just see more minutes split between Yak and and Pascal, you know? Like, even what Freddie and Delon are doing, I would even take more of Lowry's minutes. I mean, now there's, there's no excuse for Lowry come this playoff, right? Like, if he's playing bad, you got to pull the plug and you got to go to to Freddie or Delon, right? See, I disagree. Oh. I think that you have to stick with what's been working. And if you try to change it up too much in terms of, uh, you know, replacing this guy's minutes with that guy's minutes and mm-hmm. trying to piecemeal this together, I don't think you're going to have the same success as you have having this, like you say, the benchmark playing as well as it does, you know, because it, 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 it's not apples for apples, you know, like you can't just replace Siakam's minutes with, Serge Ibaka. I don't mm-hmm. think that that's going to work. I think that you have to have faith that you can have this bench unit work on its own and keep the starters as they are. You bring up a very interesting point because I think one of the things too is how well would Siakam or Porto play beside JV, right? I don't know how well that works. I mean, you're, you're probably right. I think they're the most success that Serge has comes beside JV and the most success that Yak has is with Pascal for sure. Um, but with that said, man, I don't know, just the intensity that these guys give. And I know that the bench now provides a good change of pace, but I keep thinking at a certain point, don't you just roll with that? Like, I don't know. I, and, and maybe I need to listen to my own words more because I'm the one that's saying, enjoy the bench for what it is and enjoy the development. And it's not necessarily about what the outcome is this year, but maybe the outcome of what the Raptors do next year and the year after that when these guys develop into better players. But I don't know, man. Watching Siakam play, the way that this guy plays, it's all energy. It's all hype. He's always going. He's always making turnovers. And he looks so much more confident now. Like you see him what get I, the ball on the wing and he's just making one jab step and driving to the basket. And it, it's fun to watch, man. When you pair him with Pirtle, mm-hmm. they just play to each other's strengths so much. That's true. That is I mean, true. It's, it's like freaking frack out there. It's on, like it, what one guy kind of lacks, the other one makes up for it. Mm-hmm. it. 
it's the perfect formula that they have going. And to, like you say, to we, we've got to just sit back and enjoy this evolution of this benchmark mm-hmm. and really trust that that this culture reset was put into place and they're going to be going for it. They have the right coach in there and they even have the right uh, the right combination of veterans who are playing starters minutes to set up everything for it. Yeah. It's so true. And, and you know what What else too? Like It's just a reminder to enjoy this regular season because I feel like Raptors fans are almost almost like how Philly fans are getting ahead of themselves thinking that, oh, do we really need LeBron as if that's a question? I almost think like Raptors fans are getting ahead of themselves because Raptors fans, I don't know if they're enjoying this season as much as they should be. Like So much focus is going towards the playoffs already. And it's like, wait a second. Four years of making the playoffs and, you know, getting past the first round twice doesn't mean that all of a sudden the regular season doesn't matter, right? Like to Raptors fans, I'm saying, right? Like we're talking and we're like analyzing the season and, you know, you know, NBA pundits can say, hey, nothing matters until you hit the playoffs. But I'm saying as fans, when I'm watching Raptor games right now and the crowd's like sitting down during the game or the crowd's really quiet when they're like blowing other teams out of the gym, I'm kind of like, wait a second, why isn't the crowd up cheering? Why isn't the crowd enjoying this? Like, there's no way that the crowd can be just that, like, you know, quote unquote, used to winning by now. Like, you're just unfazed by the season that you're having. Like, no, 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 that can't happen, right? It has been really weird. And you can you can tell when you watch the team on TV, mm-hmm. you can hear, you can hear the lack of the crowd. You can hear the silence, man. It's definitely television. Super weird, super weird. But yes, enjoy the regular season. Enjoy the wins. Enjoy you know the chase of becoming first overall. Because whatever happens in the playoffs is going to happen in the playoffs anyways. I'm saying you know like for me as like someone that analyzes the NBA, I'm saying you know I think you know they're still not getting past the Cavs, but whatever. But that's even to me more reason to enjoy the wins now in the regular season. Because here's a reality check, right? The Sunny Weems years aren't that far away, right? <laughs> That's right. The Joey Graham years aren't that far away. The Jamario Moon years, they're not that long ago, right? So yeah. remember those craptastic teams and now watch this team and just enjoy what's going on right now in the regular season. Whatever happens in the playoffs, happens in the playoffs. But don't set your playoff expectations too high. Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, Raptors fans, as you continue to watch your team lead the Eastern Conference, right? right. So. I mean, as we move on, though, Webby, to our Feed Me segment, which really, to be honest, could just be dominated by Twitter reactions to the James Harden play, which was just disgusting. Did you catch a lot of the the Twitter reacts this morning or what? Okay, so I went to bed pretty early last night. Had a, a, you know, working this nine to five is a lot different than what I'm used to, okay? I hear you. I hear you. So I did not watch the Rockets-Clippers game. Yep. I woke up to uh, a former colleague of mine and current Sportsnet colleague of yours, mm-hmm. young Mr. Kyle Enright. Okay. okay. A fan of the show and a big basketball head, a former uh, player at Wilfrid Laurier University. Yes, yeah, shout out uh, to the Golden Hawks. And he's been kind of, uh, he was kind of my, you know, like young buck that I was, uh, that I was bringing up there on the uh, highlight side because he's a big ball fan. He loved watching basketball. Okay. He's really good at putting together a, a basketball highlight. Okay. So I woke up to a text from young Mr. Kyle Enright saying, 
you gotta you gotta see what what James Harden did to Wesley Johnson. We were only given one play, but it was a one play banger. <laughs> he goes, he goes, you you've been sorely missed by not being around to voice this pack. Oh, so I was man. like, kind of like, what what's going on here? So I just went in Twitter, searched James Harden, <laughs> and I watched, I watched it about six times. Chuck even showed the fiance. Yes, yes, yes. You got, you got to see this. Now, she wasn't quite as impressed with it as you or I was. Okay. And then I talked to another former colleague of mine who I worked with, uh, Matt Drapel. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who had also seen it on social media, and we had about a 15-minute conversation about whether it was a travel or not. Oh, hold because on. Because he is shuffling his feet, and I tried to play it off like, listen, I don't think that James Harden was being disrespectful, because if you look at the video, when he steps back to that three-point line, his non-pivot foot is on the line. Okay. He moves it again to, like, you know, get his feet out from under him, and his foot is still on the line. He moves that non-pivot foot one more time to get beyond the line so it's a three-pointer, and then he drains it. Okay, here's my thing. So I'll say to the benefit of the doubt that Harden wasn't trying to be super disrespectful. He was just trying to, uh, as the great Bill Gaffrey says, uh, just trying to organize the puppies before <laughs> launching the three. Well played. I like that one. I like that one. But I will also say, though, Webby, a simple question. For all the people that are so quick to be like, was that a travel? Was that not a travel? My simple question is, do you like fun things? Because I like fun things. And you know what's fun? When someone does a crossover and the other guy falls on his ass. That is fun. And so even if James Harden did travel, do you know what? I'm not going to be mad at the ref if he missed James Harden traveling back to the three-point line because the ref was also watching the guy that fell on his ass. I'm not going to be <laughs> mad at the ref for missing that call, right? I'm not going to be mad at the ref because we're all watching the guy that fell on his ass because we all like fun things. So this whole, was it a travel, wasn't a travel, get out of here, right? Like, get out of here with that talk. I like fun things. Did the ref whistle a travel? The ref did not whistle a travel. That it's not a travel. Hey, right? I'm happy that it wasn't a travel because it led to a great parade on social media, which which just gave us so much juice for the Feed Me segment. And first off, someone quickly changed <laughs> someone quickly changed Wesley Johnson's Wikipedia page. So I'm just gonna read this for you. Okay. It says Wesley Jamar Johnson is an American professional basketball player of the Los Angeles Clippers of the National Basketball Association. He played college basketball for Syracuse and Iowa State. He was selected with the fourth overall pick in the 2010 NBA draft by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Johnson... Yes. Next. Johnson died on February 28, 2018, <laughs> after James Harden cooked him and put him in a body bag. Wesley's funeral will be held in the secret tunnel that Chris Paul used to get to the locker room. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is so good. The internet is the greatest thing ever. That is so good. That is one of my favorite things. Uh, one of the other things that was so funny, I don't know if you saw, I think it was CBS that tweeted it out. They had, they put Wesley Johnson falling down on the ground, but they put the twister, <laughs> the I twister board underneath them. <laughs> So good. So good. 
So just even bringing up this Wesley Johnson um, reminds me that he was the fourth overall pick of the NBA draft in 2010. That he was. The Minnesota Timberwolves selected Wesley Johnson uh, instead of DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> and so as bad as Wesley Johnson looks, having getting cooked and put in a body bag by James Harden, that's uh, still a better look than the Minnesota Timberwolves taking Johnny Flynn ahead of Steph Curry and Wesley <laughs> Johnson ahead of DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> Uh, that's such a bad look for them. They even someone even on from SB Nation. They took Allen Iverson when he stepped over Tyron Lue and just superimposed him going over Wesley Johnson with James uh, Harden in the background. <laughs> so good. It was just it was every reaction video all day today had to do with Wesley Johnson. Oh, it was so good, so good. It, Speak- is that the most famous play that Wesley Johnson's been involved in? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I couldn't think of another Wesley Johnson play if you paid me. I have no, no idea what the, another play, Wesley Johnson play would be. But, you know, seeing that Iverson thing, though, reminded me of other just disrespectful plays. You know, like, it reminded of course, Iverson stepping over Tyron Lue is probably one, if you're of a certain age, that comes to mind right away. Um, if you're from a certain city in northeastern United States, it's definitely ingrained in your mind, I'll tell you that. <laughs> right? Um, another one that re- that I saw today all over the place was Shaq dunking on Chris Dudley. <laughs> yeah. Remember that? And he like does basically a chin up on the rim so that his nuts are very close to Dudley's face. Then as he lets go of the rim, he pushes Dudley away. And then Dudley takes the ball and tries to throw it at Shaq as he's walking back down the court. It's like such disrespect. Oh, Listen, man. I mean, if we didn't have this Wesley Johnson play, we'd be talking about the uh, Jared Allen dunk on Laurie Market. Ooh, yeah, that was... That was a pretty disrespectful play for earlier in the week. True, 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 true. So true. Great times in the NBA as always because the NBA and Twitter go hand in hand. But switching gears from something that was fun to maybe something that's not so fun here, Webby in the Feed Me segment, came across my timeline this week. NBA finds Mark Cuban 600K for public statements detrimental to the league and the Mavericks, the Mavericks competitive success, aka tanking. So your boy Mark Cuban was doing an interview on Dr. J's podcast. Did you know that Dr. J had a podcast? I did not know that Dr. J had a podcast. I had no that idea. That was my other thing that I was going to bring up. I had no idea. Right? Listen, but, if we have a podcast, Shelly, obviously Dr. J has a podcast. Definitely, yeah. If two schmucks like us can have a podcast, of course Dr. J can have a podcast, right? Like, that's amazing. But uh, let's let's take a look here at Mark Cuban's comments. He says, quote, I'm probably not supposed to say this. Now, hold on. Side note. Anytime you start off a statement with, I'm probably not supposed to say this, you probably shouldn't say this, right? That's a good barometer. So he says, quote, I'm probably not supposed to say this, but like, I just had dinner with a bunch of guys the other night and here we are, you know, we weren't competing for the playoffs. I was like, look, losing is our best option. Adam, i.e. Adam Silver, would hate hearing that, but... I at least sat down and explained it to them. 
I explained what our plans were going to be this summer and that we're not going to tank again. This was like a year and a half of tanking, and that was too brutal for me. But being transparent, I think that's the key to being kind of a player's owner and having stability. Now, here's the other thing. This is coming off of last year when Cuban was on the Dan Patrick show, and he did an interview in which he said, once we were eliminated from the playoffs, we did everything possible to lose games. So a lot of people were just floating that, hey, they thought maybe just because it was this storyline alone, but no, this is two straight years of Cuban making comments like that, and that's where the $600,000 fine comes from. But what do you think of tanking? Is tanking something that should be openly discussed like this or should be encouraged in the NBA? What do you think? Well, that's what's so weird. It's like, listen, teams, reporters, fans, and players all know that tanking happens in the NBA, mm-hmm. but it's part of the season. Now, is the league, the league isn't mad that these teams are losing games. The league is mad that people are talking about it. Yes. It seems really naive and short-sighted. And I know Adam Silver, like one of his big goals is to kind of de-incentivize tank. Yes. And whether that's done by a tournament for the couple of uh, top two uh, picks of the draft, or I've heard of the draft wheel, all these different ideas coming to the forefront. But I think that in this situation, I mean, talking about it isn't going to make it any better or any worse. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think it's it's more so the league has to understand that it's going to happen, especially when, as you said, you're incentivized to lose, right? Like, if your team isn't going anywhere, obviously the more games you lose, the better chances you have of winning the draft and getting a top player. But once that's still the case, you're going to have that. But I think you're right. The fact that he's openly saying this if you're the commissioner of a league that, you know, you owe it to your fans, you your fans cannot hear owners saying that, hey, we're going to lose when you're selling tickets, you're selling TV deals. Like, you know what I mean? You have all these different partners that are involved, most of which being, and most importantly, being your fans. And how can you look your fans in the eye and expect them to continue to pay top dollar for a product when you have certain teams saying, well, we're not trying? Right, like, but but look, Shelly, it works. Does it work? Right now, I'm looking at the Sixers beating the Cavs. True, but hold on a second, though. The Sixers, the Sixers, yes, the process. We we talk extensively about the process, but there are a lot of misses within this process before they got to this point right here, right? And I mean, where are they right here? They're in. They're battling for eighth or seventh place right now, and yes, they're beating the Cavs. They're they're. They're they're coming. They're coming. Don't get me wrong. They're coming. But I'm saying there's a lot of misses that happened, Webby, before the the Sixers got to this place, though, right? But to lose these games and to put yourself in the best position to get a player that's a generational talent like LeBron James, you don't get these players usually by free agency, especially if you're a smaller market team. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to draft these players. And the only way you're going to be able to draft a generational talent is if you're drafting in the top four, five, top four, maybe five spots in the draft. And the only time you're going to get there is if you're losing enough games to get there. Yeah. And I think that the fans understand, like, listen, I'm sure if you talk to a lot of Mavericks fans, they'd be like, listen, yeah, it stinks that our 
team isn't good, but you can see that we have a pathway to success. We've got a couple of pieces. We're one or two really good draft picks away. And if it means short-term woes for long-term success, it's worth it. Yeah. Here's the thing I'll say, though, right, Webby? I think that, yes, tanking, we know we know that tanking is a means to an end, right? We understand that. But the flip side to it is that it doesn't always work, right? Like you have teams that have been crappy for a very long time, right? Like the 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 Kings have a lot of top tier picks and they still suck, right? Like Orlando has a lot of top tier picks and they still suck. Like we've seen a lot of teams that have gotten there and even with Philly again, like Embiid fell to them because he was hurt. Do you know what I mean? Like, is Embiid in that place if he's not hurt coming out of college, right? Like, there's still so much luck that went into it. And I still think maybe the best case for quote-unquote tanking was made by the Seattle Supersonics slash uh, OKC Thunder, right? Because that was a team that was blatantly put together by having, you know, drafting well. It wasn't so much that they were always last in tanking, but, you know, they were able to get Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, you know, Serge, Jeff Green. Like they drafted a lot of dudes that were a lot of hits, right? And tanking is just one part of it. But if your team still sucks, your front office still sucks, you can have all the top picks you want. You're still going to be, you still might end up being the Sacramento Kings, right? So, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting take, but for sure, I think at the end of the day, Adam Silver, we have to agree on this, right? Like Adam Silver needed, Adam Silver definitely, definitely needed to come out and do something harsh right now to the Dallas Mavericks because Mark Cuban can't be doing that, right? Well, listen, for sure. And, you know, it always seems like every year, a couple of times during the season, Mark Cuban is going to pay into the NBA charitable fund, you know? It yeah. doesn't matter whether he's talking about tanking or the referees. Yeah. It seems like he loves paying into the NBA fund. Um, something else that's happening literally right now as we're taping this podcast that I think might become a topic of discussion Friday morning and beyond is uh, the Sixers and Cavs are playing a heated game right now. And, the, and there, there the, are... There's some bad feelings going on. Yeah, here. so I don't know. You might be on a delay that's a little behind me, a little Webby, but Saric comes in on a breakaway. The game's essentially over, right? Like there's seconds left in the game. Saric gets the ball. Time. He didn't show time at all. No, no, no. He he didn't show time at all. There's 12 seconds left in the game. He's driving down the court. The Cavs were like pressuring the last few possessions. So Saric takes the ball and dunks it. Jordan Clarkson grabs a ball, doesn't like it, and he throws the ball at Saric as he turns back around. And Saric actually steps to him. Embiid is playing Peacemaker. And then LeBron comes in, and he kind of seems to be a little upset as well. Like, I don't know. Is there a reason for Jordan Clarkson to be mad here? Well, there's an unwritten rule that you don't you don't dunk it at the end of the game, right? But it's not like he was going windmill. Yeah. And, you know, and listen, I think this is a little frustration for the Cavs. This is an 11-game winning streak against the Sixers that's been snapped. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we spoke about it when they made the trade, and they they had those two big wins. Yeah. But we thought that the Cavs were back on track. But, you know, listen, maybe that, uh, maybe that third seed in the East is what they're destined for because uh, – because I'll tell you what, man, like, they didn't get it done. Like, they're at home against the Sixers team that they always beat. 
I yeah. think that was just a little bit of frustration boiling over rather than any kind of uh, prolonged. For sure. I, I think too, if you're the Cavs and if you're LeBron, you kind of like that from Jordan Clarkson because you kind of like the fact that he doesn't like losing. He doesn't like, you know, what just happened. He's not, he's, he's not that he doesn't like losing because nobody should like losing, but he's not okay with losing. He's not just, you know what I mean? Like he's mad about it. And as they go forward here, I think all the Cavs know like what's at stake. The new guys that came in know what's at stake. And yes, they won the first two games and things haven't really been amazing since they've lost a few games since right but i still think that the biggest issue going on i mean kevin love's going to come back and i think that's something that people keep forgetting right he's going to be the solid consistent second scorer on the team right so that's something that's going to happen come playoff time but as well as these guys settle in they're going to settle into the roles that i think they're meant to play on this team and what i mean by that is Maybe that means Larry Nance should be taking all of Tristan's minutes and starting. I don't know. Maybe Rodney Hood should be in the starting lineup instead of J.R. Smith, who was suspended before this game for conduct detrimental to the team, which I don't know if we'll find out what he actually did. But there's a lot going on with the Cavs right now, right? And I think that once the things shuffle around, like again, people forget that Jordan Clarkson is averaging pretty much the same amount of points as Kyle Lowry this season, right? Like, Rodney Hood is averaging more points than Kyle Lowry this season. Like, these are good players. And so they just kind of need to figure out how they're going to fit into the team. And, again, once Kevin Love comes back, I'm not really worried about the Cavs because, again, they got LeBron, so cool. But you're right. This is a good look for the Sixers. Definitely a good look for the Sixers. And I don't think that if you're the Cavs, you want this. If you're anybody, I don't think you want the Sixers in the first round, to be honest, right? You don't want those problems. Who wants those problems? Who wants those Sixers problems, right? Exactly. You don't want to have to face them in a seven-game series and have to play three games in Philadelphia. Ooh, that crowd will be fired up. That crowd will be lit. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of lit, (laughs) we got the Oscars coming up this weekend, Webby. And uh, I say lit because last year's Oscars ended in a bit of a a situation, (laughs) right? If you remember. situation, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm in on the Oscars this this Sunday, not only because, you know, there'll be some joke about whatever happened at the end of last year's ceremony when they announced the wrong, when uh, your boy Warren Beatty announced the wrong winning, the wrong movie for Best Picture, but uh, I'm in for Jimmy Kimmel. You know, I just enjoy Jimmy Kimmel so much. And so my on my ask on blast question to you, Webby, is what are you looking forward to this weekend from the Oscars? I'm looking forward to seeing how they honor Get Out. Ooh, okay. uh, Which was de- definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, Jordan Peele really kind of cemented himself as a as one of the most kind of anticipated directors that we're looking to see his next movie. Mm-hmm. And I think if you've seen Get Out, you know, I don't know if you've seen it more than once there, Shelley. But it's kind of like an onion, man. As you watch it the second time, there's so many small details that Jordan Peele, the guy that we know for being in funny sketches, yeah, kind of put into this movie that makes it so rich. And I'm I'm really hoping that they honor him with the with the best director uh, uh, win. I think that would be so cool. I don't know if that out's going to win best picture. Yeah, uh, I think it's got a shot, but I think that it's probably going to be 
either uh, the three billboards or Dunkirk. I think Dunkirk's kind of a, a, a my dark horse. My uh, my my Anthony Davis for MVP. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, I, I'm. I'm really hoping that Jordan Peele gets best director. I think that would be an awesome one. Yeah, no, that would be dope for sure. And again, I'm in for. I'm in for Jimmy Kimmel. I love Jimmy Kimmel. I think he's super funny. I think he's super personable. I think like they always have great bits. His monologues are always great. He'll yeah, have fun with what happens. Bringing like random people again, like you did last year. Yeah, like that bit last year when they brought in the tour bus. That was so much fun. That was amazing. Good times as always. I'm, you know me. If you listen to this podcast, you know I'm always Team Kimmel. I've always been Team Kimmel over Fallon over whoever. So yeah. I'm all in on that for sure. Yeah, I want to know. I want to know, Shelly, how many how many nominees for Best Picture have you seen? Oh, I haven't seen any of them. I don't I think I've seen any of them. Seen Get Out. Oh yes, I've seen Get Out. Sorry, yes, I have seen Get Out. Yeah, but you haven't seen the Fish Sex movie. No, I have not seen the Fish Sex movie. <laughs> I definitely have not seen that. You know what? I've just I just haven't had that moment over the past year when I'm like, hmm, what do I want to watch right now? How about this movie where it looks like she, this woman is going to have sex with a fish? No, I haven't really gotten there. You haven't seen Dunkirk? No. Oh, man. Okay, I would say... You know what? Give so, me one movie that I should watch. Give me one movie that I should watch, and I'll try to watch nominated? it. nominated? Yeah. Okay, and here, I'm going to go off the reservation here. I'm going to give you one that you like. Okay. Uh, based on your... Uh, I know your affinity for the show, Girls. Okay, okay. And I know... You went to high school and graduated high school, I think, uh, around the same time I did. Were, okay. were you graduating high school class in 2002? Somewhere around there, 2001. Okay. I think that you should watch uh, Lady Bird. Oh, okay. Okay. Because having, having attended, uh, you know, high school, uh, you, you know, where you have, I think, that uh, during the time that you did. <laughs> okay. It's definitely got the we went to high school. <laughs> okay. Now, okay. now it, it's told through a completely different lens than we're used to. Okay. You know, we didn't grow up as high school as uh, teenage girls. <laughs> no. But, it, but it, it's a really interesting kind of look at that time and the people around that age. All right. All right. All right. For sure. So, and w- no, go on. Sorry. I was going to say it's got to, it's got some really good writing. And uh, like I say, I know you're a fan of girls. It's not quite that uh, that dramatic, but it's got sa- some of those same kind of like uh, 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 bits of humor okay. that girls does. I got you. I got you. Okay. I'll check that out. I'll check that out. And again, if you have any other suggestions that you might want for us to check out, always hit us up on Ask on Blast. And we did get one other question. <laughs> Another question, actually, that comes from Dave. And Dave wants to know, have you guys listened to the Nipsey Hustle album, Victory Lap? And if so, what do you think? Webby, have you heard the album yet? No, but that's, uh, that, that, that's my homework for next, for next week. Okay, so... I'll give you the full uh, breakdown after I listen to it. Okay, so we'll we'll save this and talk about it next week. All I'll say is I have listened to it. I have not put it down since Friday. I first listened to it on Friday, and I have not put it down since. Like every like spare moment I get, where I I don't need to be listening to you know someone like at work or whatever, or I'm on my my commute to work or home. 
that Nipsey Hustle album is on. I love it so much. We'll we'll break it down more next week for sure. Cause I, I love that album. I'm in. In, 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 in. All right. All right. I'm always <laughs> for new music. So on I blast the track list now. Ha! So ball on blast listeners, you got some homework. We're gonna watch some Oscar movies and we're gonna listen to Nipsey Hustle, right? And let yeah. us know. Don't be like Nipsey Hustle and uh, Ladybird. <laughs> right? You'll only get that sort of cross section of culture right here on the Ball on Blast podcast, right? That's right. Amazing. Amazing stuff. And you know what? When you do do your homework and listen to Nipsey Hustle and watch some Oscar movies, hit us up on social media. You can find me at Shell Alexander on Twitter and at Sheldon Alexander on Instagram. Webby, where can they hit you up? Okay, you can find me at a Webster 84 on Twitter on all social. I got another one here, Shelly, before I leave you. Ooh, this I like it. I like on, it. This one is on Netflix. It's not up for any Oscars, but I promise you, this one is definitely more up your alley than Lady Bird, okay? Okay. I need you to watch Good Time for me. Good Time. Okay. Okay. It's on Netflix, streaming for free. Everybody out there now who's listening, definitely watch Good Time. We gave you a lot of homework here on the Ball on Glass podcast. Jeez, so. it's not like there's a full slate of basketball on it every night, too. <laughs> right? The NBA is back, and I love it. Yes. So... For Mr. Andrew Webster, I am Sheldon Alexander. This is the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace.